Trying to be doing that bullshit. bullshit, bullshit. What's happening? We back January 2021. Uh, this is the first part of the of the new year. <sighs> Lots of shit has happened since the last podcast. <laughs> but let's start with the elephant in the room, right? Um, recently, uh, a bunch of Trump supporters, uh, well, President Trump had a rally uh, on the same day as uh, Congress was set to certify the results of the election um, in America. Um, so that's the way it works. So for, for my guests that are outside of America, the, the way the political system here works is there's a bunch of like red tape and bullshit. Um, you know, so everyone votes uh, who... Uh, and whoever gets the most votes in you, and, and so there's 50 states, and uh, and each each state gets a certain amount of electoral votes based on their population, right? So whoever wins the popular vote in your state gets all the electoral votes for that state in most of the states. Some states split it up, but but most of the states that's how it works. Then the electoral college gets together. You know, so people from each, you know, representatives from each state come and go, these are our 50 votes. And they, you know, and they add it all up. And whichever candidate gets the majority of the votes, it becomes president. But not yet, right? Because before any of that can happen, each state has to certify the results, right? Then the Electoral College votes, right? And then Congress itself. The Congress of the whole United States has to certify the results, and then it's official. Um, and that happens on January 6th. And on January 20th, I believe, is when the inauguration happens, and that's the official exchange of power, right? Now, anyway, so in the meantime, since the United States election, Donald Trump, the current president, has been... Um, I mean, even before then, he's been sowing doubts in like the electoral process and all of this. And, you know, just as I predicted, if you go back and listen just a couple of episodes ago, just as I predicted, um, he was going to lose and he was not going to be a a sportsman about it. You know, he's a sore loser. Um, And we noticed about him. I mean, listen, this is just this is just another reason why I can't vote for rich kids. You know what I mean? And listen, and I'm not saying you automatically a shitty person because you were born into a wealthy family. That's not true. You know what I mean? You can't help what your circumstances are. You don't know better. But that's just the point, right? Is you're born into a different, you're born into a world that has different rules and different risks and different things to lose. And it's impossible for you to have to share the perspective of the average person. And especially when you live in a world where you almost always get what you want. And, and and you're talking about a person where that's been the case for him for s- 75 years or however old he is. How old is Donald Trump? Uh, let's ask Google. Does, does, does the assistant, is the one to work with me today? How old is Donald Trump? 74 years old. He's 74 years old. So for 74 years, whenever he wanted something, he got that shit. You know what I mean? And maybe you can say, you know, because from, uh, from what I've heard and read... He had a very like weirdly 
odd and strict father that like pitted his kids against each other and shit. So maybe he didn't always get what he wanted in that regard. But I mean, outside of his family, he always got what he wanted. And damn sure after his father died and he took all, he inherited the fortune. He got, you know, no one ever says, no one ever says, no, Donald, you can't have that. You know, and now he runs the world or he runs the country that the world looked to or used to. Anyway, my point is, um, he so he had a rally on the same day that Congress was uh, was certifying the vote, and he fanned the flames like he always does. And the end result was that a lot of his supporters ended up, <laughs> quote unquote, storming the Capitol. Um, and, you know, and these motherfuckers was prepared. They had climbing ropes. Um, a, a few pipe bombs were found. Um, but, but the truth is, see, there's, there, there, I, listen, there were two groups of people there. There were some people that came to the rally and was like, oh, we storming? And then there were people that were planning on going to the Capitol way before the rally ever happened. You know what I mean? Those are the motherfuckers that had, you know, gas masks and, you know, you know, those kind, those people. Who the fuck brings climbing rope to a rally? You know what I mean? And grappling hooks and shit. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine bringing the grappling hook with you? Anyway, I don't know. I just had this on me. Um, so the next, uh, the the weird thing about that the whole situation is that, well, no, there's several weird things about the situation, but the one that immediately comes to mind is that the most of the Capitol Police. Right. And keep in mind, this is supposed to be one of the most secure buildings on the planet. You understand this, especially when Congress is in session, when the whole Congress is in session, because that rarely happens. um, It rarely happens where most of the government is, you you know, because there, there are very rare occasions that. All of the House, of, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, and the Vice President are all in the same building at the same time, right? And that's dangerous because it gives a terrorist or whatever the opportunity to wipe out the majority of our government all in one swoop. So security has to be fucking tight. You understand what I'm saying? Just like um, we have whenever the whenever the President of the United States does what they call uh, what we call um, State of the Union, right? He does a State of the Union address. And he addresses the whole of Congress. And, and that, that is the only time where you expect the building to be more secure than on the, on the January 6th after, after an election. Is when the president, the vice president, the, all of the House of Representatives, the entire Senate, and the Supreme Court, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff are all in one building. You understand what I'm saying? And this is, this is that building. So when when the when, when the president decides to address the whole government and the whole nation all at once is the only time you expect this building to be more secure than when all of Congress is in session, along with the vice president of the United States, right? And so you and and and, and these state of the unions happen often enough in this building that you would expect. You know them to be uh, uh, well, well practiced in what the f- in how to fucking prepare. <laughs> you 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, even if they didn't have advance warning that there was a mob coming towards the building, which they did, they knew because, you know, the FBI monitors these fucking extremist sites and all of this. They knew this was going to happen or they knew that it could happen. You know, they didn't know if it was just rhetoric or if it was people meant what they were saying, but they knew there was a chance that this could happen or something of this nature could happen. Right. So even if they but if even if that weren't the case. There's just the basic security, you know, so say there was never a march or nothing planned. This is what I'm getting at. Say the president never was going to have a rally on that day. Even still, the security on this building should have been, you know, should have been like top notch. Because just from the mere fact that the majority of the government of the United States is all in one place at the same time. You know what I mean? That, like, it, it, it doesn't make sense for the security to be so lax. Period. You know, you know. so anyway, the, uh, the head of the Capitol Police, and, keep, and, and also keep in mind, the Capitol Police is a separate police force from the D.C. police. Right. But there's all manner of law enforcement available there in, in that city. There's the FBI, the D.C. police, the uh, hell, the PG County police, uh, Virginia Highway State Patrol, motherfucker. You know, there's the National Guard. Uh, you know, there's all manner of available security in, that was not implemented. And this guy, the uh, I forget this. I forget the motherfucker's name. Um uh, retired capital policeman. Uh, or oh, he didn't retire, he resigned. Um, I can't find this motherfucker's name because I typed retired instead of resigned. Sund. His his last name was Sund. What a weird fucking name. Um, I think it was Adam Sund. But he uh, he he uh, what's the word? He resigned after all of this, and you know the claim because you know when when people resign in in government, it's hard to you know they never really make the distinction of whether they resign for real or whether they were allowed to resign in lieu of being fired because that happens no one ever really gets fired in government which is why we always have the same shitty people just moving from place to place to place is because they go you know what you're doing an awful job but i'm not gonna fire you because i don't want to have to put that on your resume but i'm gonna allow you to, to quit and so your resume still look nice enough for you to get another job somewhere else and be awful over there right <laughs> That's that's how DC works. Like that's how every bureaucracy works. You know, it's like eh, we're not gonna really fuck each other over, over, over. You know what I mean? Unless you go, unless you get sent to prison for what you did, they gonna they'll let you resign. So I think this guy was allowed to resign, even though it really wasn't on him. Because here here's here's the other deal. Because this is where politics come into play. He he says that he requested National Guard assistance days before and all the way up to 
this all happening. And he was denied six times. Right? Because, uh, because unlike every other state in the union, the National Guard in D.C. answers to the president. In every other state, the National Guard answers to the governor of that state. In D.C., the National Guard answers to the president or the office of the president. Um, and, the, and, and, and the only way to really get around that is if you contact the, you know, the head of the army. You know, he can activate the National Guard. But here's the deal. This guy was told over and over again that, you know, it, it wasn't good optics. It didn't look good to have armed troops at the Capitol. It was bad optics. <laughs> hey, that shit didn't look as bad as the building being torn apart. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. Um, a, a young lady was killed. Uh, she was shot in the neck um, after trying to uh, to bust through a, a, a barricade or climb through a barricade uh, that was protecting senators. And uh, somebody shot her in the neck. Um, um, she turned out to be a crazy person. Um, and... Uh, you know, the, 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 the funny part about this is that uh, a lot of the right wing people are like, say her name. You know, they've co-opted the uh, the Breonna Taylor. Uh, well, not just Breonna Taylor, but all the other black women that were killed by police. Um, Sandra Bland comes to mind. But but the, but the say her name chant. You know, that's so fucking hilarious to me is that youth It's like the same people. All this time, the people that are like anti-Black Lives Matter, it's like, it's like this is the same shit we've been talking about. Here you are now. You know now you're upset because you know that it could be you. See you. You see whenever it happens to a black person, you tell yourself this is the narrative that goes in your head. You go, well, they were doing something that I would never do. Therefore, it could never be me. You know, that's the reason it was them. They're, they were doing something. They had to be. Why else would the police, right? That's, that's, the, that's the argument I always have with, with Trump supporters or, or anti-BLM people. Is they're like, the, you know, they, they should have been following the rules. They shouldn't have moved so fast. They shouldn't have reached for, right? And then, and then boom, an unarmed white lady gets shot and she was actually doing something wrong. I mean, she was actually breaking the law and actively defying the orders of this police officer. Now, he wasn't in any immediate danger. There wasn't a danger to his life that I could see on this video. You know what I'm saying? And maybe the, and perhaps the argument could be made that that wasn't the moment to use lethal force. But it's funny how you understand now that it happened to a white lady that happens to also share your political views. Now, now it's a problem. Now you're like, wait a minute, cops shouldn't be able to. I know, motherfucker. That's what I've been saying. You know, because because look, Breonna Taylor got shot in her own bed <laughs> at home, motherfucker. She wasn't she wasn't at the Capitol. She was at home. You know, and and the, and, and and the difference is that when this happens to a black person, the first thing the media does 
is try to find some sort of nefarious activities in their past. Something to make you not feel anything for that person. Something to separate you from that person. Because here's the fact of the matter, America. You have to be, you know, I say this all the time. You have to be very careful about what powers you're, you're willing to give up and what things you're willing to accept when they benefit you or when you happen to agree with them because it's only a matter of time before that power gets turned on you. You know? And, you know, a lot of these motherfuckers got arrested and all this. Um, but a big thing that happened as a result is President Trump got banned from Twitter. Right. And Parler, which is a Twitter alternative for conservatives. Uh, well, I, I, I don't think they planned it that way, but that's how it ended up. They were banned from Amazon's web hosting services, which also hosts Twitter, by the way. Amazon hosts a lot of shit that you don't that you don't even realize like their what i mean by that is their servers are where are where the data for these sites are held um and you know and a lot of my liberal friends are like okay with this you know what i mean i was arguing with one of my closest friends about this um and and again i think a lot of times the you know whenever this happens the narrative is always well twitter is a private company and they're, and they're allowed to, but see, fuck all of that. Because we're not talking about what they're allowed to do. You know, obviously they're allowed to ban people from their platform for any reason. They don't have to have a reason. But we're talking about whether it's moral, right? We're talking about whether that's something we support, right? Because, because the moment you, the moment you, you support somebody going, I don't like what you're saying. That's the end of it, right? Because Twitter's more than just a private company. Twitter is how we all connect. It's the number one way that we speak to each other and speak to the world, right? And so if you're not allowed on that platform, you know, it, it's more than just a private company not allowing you to use, right? I mean, the, the impact is, you know, it's not like you got banned from Pinterest, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? It's not the same impact. So, so my point is, is though, even though I detest Donald Trump, I still have to ask myself, is, is, is him being off Twitter, even though that might feel or seem beneficial in the short term, is it, is it behavior that I want to encourage from Twitter? Right, if because if I if I look at it separate from the fact that it's someone I don't I despise, and separate from the fact that what he did was egregious, even though he mostly did it in person, not on Twitter. Um. And anyway, so I wake up this morning and boom, I see there's a uh, there's a there's a post from. Let me see. Um, let me see what the. Uh, so make sure I, I, I get it right because I can read it word for word. So there's a post from, God damn it. Oh, did I save it? Maybe I saved it. Yeah. But there's a post on Instagram from, God damn. Um, no, I didn't save it. I, but uh, I, I forget. Oh, the, I think it was called the Free Lunch Collective. 
Yeah, I think I think they're called the Free Lunch Collective on on Instagram, and they uh, let me make sure I'm not misquoting that. Come on, Instagram, bitch. Free lunch, bitch. Um, no, it wasn't the Free Lunch Collective. God damn it, Brian! I should have saved that shit. But anyway, I woke up this morning, and and one of the uh, one of the the organizations that I support they started when the pandemic started, and I god damn it can't remember the name of them. Um, but they were complaining that that Twitter had banned them with no explanation or nothing like that. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know if I support that. You know, I don't know. Because it, it, it's, it's very easy, again, it's very easy in the moment to support it because the bad thing is happening to someone that you don't, that you hate. You know what I mean? But mm, I don't know if I support Twitter deciding what's acceptable to say and what isn't. You know, because, it, because here's the other thing. It's not like Twitter, it, now, Twitter jumped out and said, yo, the policy is if you incite violence, we'll ban you. That's one thing. No, but Twitter's saying, we'll ban you at our discretion, right? And it just so happens that this time, the justification we're using is that the, the president incited violence, right? But they, but uh, the Free Lunch Collective, God damn it, it wasn't the Free Lunch Collective, but they don't incite violence. I mean, they weren't given a reason at all because, you know, they're not important enough to Twitter to give them a reason. But, it, but it's like, you know, you know, is 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 that is at your own peril, right? And I think I've brought this up before on the podcast, but but I, I here's a perfect here's another clearer example. I I I remember when um when George Bush was president, um it was the first time I ever heard of uh, signing statements, right? And signing statements are basically just and when a president signs a bill into law, there's a little addendum, like a little paragraph where he's saying, look, I'm signing this because I understand this section to mean this, this, and, this. and it's, and it's, a, it's a legal gray area because he isn't allowed to change the law because that's Congress's job. He's only allowed to say yes or no, but he is allowed to interpret the law within the bounds of the law itself. You know what I mean? Like I said, it's a gray area, but the point is, when George Bush was doing it to his benefit, people were up in fucking arms. That's how I heard about it. Like liberals were, ah, oh, fucking bullshit. Too many signing statements. Right? Then Obama got up in that thing and started doing the same thing. And the entire Obama presidency, I never heard anything about presidential signing statements. Cause why? Because he was using them for things that we wanted. You see? And, uh, and, and this is what I mean, because then what happens? Because you never imagined in a million years that a Donald Trump now has that same power that you just, that you just allowed. You, you didn't object. Be, you didn't object when it benefited you. And now it, it, someone else has that power. And because, because also remember this, you know, you're, and this is this doesn't really apply to, to social media sites, but it but it, but it's just that I guess it kind of does, you, because you 
you're giving power to the office of the president. You're not giving power to the person. You know, you and so it's like you're giving power to the CEO of Twitter. You know, when you support this, because I guarantee you, if if the majority of people didn't support it, Twitter would undo it. You know what I mean? It's so so I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm, and I'm not even really out, outwardly against them banning Donald Trump. I'm just or, or banning Donald Trump specifically, but I'm against them feeling empowered to at their discretion ban whoever they feel like isn't saying the right things. You know what I mean? That That's weird to me. And it's weird to me that you would want that. It's weird to me if you would want to, you know, it's like, it's like there's this, there's this whole swath of people that's like, that are conservative and, and uh, leftists that like can't stand to hear the, I love hearing these crazy motherfuckers talk. I mean, I can't do it for too long. But uh, but they're so easy to make fun of. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, you know, look, if I'm somewhere where I'm forced to hear you, that's a whole other thing. You know, but but the thing is, you know, I feel like banning Donald Trump from Twitter could have the result. So, so here's the other thing, too. Banning Donald Trump from Twitter could have the result of making him stronger. You know, the, the, you, and I guess people haven't really thought about that. But anyway, I'm I'm getting way the fuck off base. Because the only reason I really wanted to talk about this whole thing, the uh, people running up in the Capitol and all of that, is um, is that what should scare the fucking shit out of you? Because and okay, look, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a controversial statement right now. We are lucky, we are lucky that Donald Trump is a very specific kind of narcissist. Because all he really cares about is winning. He just he just doesn't want to lose to Joe Biden, which is all these shenanigans. He's not really planning out like what things are gonna be or not gonna be. And which, and we're lucky for that, because which is scared the shit out of you is, <laughs> if he actually had a plan. Look, when I was a, when I was a little kid, my grandma used to say this to me, whenever I did something stupid, right? And she would go, "Nigga, if you had a brain, you'd be dangerous." And it took me a long time to understand what the fuck that meant. You know what I'm saying? Because because it's like, nigga, you being stupid, you almost burned the house down. It's like if you wanted to kill us all, like if you were an evil genius, nigga, you'd have, you'd have killed all of us. It's that kind of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like this nigga, if, if Donald Trump actually had a plan, if he was actually a smart person that like had an evil plan to take over America, he could have done it. He would have done it, nigga. It was that easy. It was that easy. Because, if, if, you know, some of those people came prepared, but most of them weren't. They were just following behind the mass. And, you know, it, it got to the point where, like, yeah, they bust up in the Capitol. And then, and they, and then they, didn't, they didn't have anything to do after that. You know what I mean? They, they started taking selfies and shit. You know, and it, it, and it was a handful of them that was, like, you know, had zip ties and shit. It was, like, prepared to take hostages. But, 
But for the most part, they ain't know what to do after that. It's like if they if they'd had any kind of direction, it would have it would have been a literal coup. It would have been a complete. But it was like the it's like that's how easy it was for you know that's terrifying. And you know what was also weird is like what I think is like that and that is a perfect. The way the the way the capital was uh, invaded seems like hyperbole, but but the way those people got walked up and just walked through security is a perfect metaphor for the United States government during Donald Trump's presidency, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that sweet? It feels like cosmic justice a little bit, right? Because like I, like I said, I don't support what they did, but I'm just looking at the silver lining. You know, for because at least Congress got a, you know, because they've been playing with fire this whole time. They thought they thought Donald Trump was a useful idiot, and they enabled him because they thought it helped them. And then they, and then they got a little too close to the fire, and now they're like, the, the heart of our nation was under attack. Oh, no, fuck you! You're not the heart of the nation, motherfucker. <laughs> You're the reason where the nation is on fire. You know. And, you know, but anyway, the, the way the way people easily just walk past all that security, that's the perfect analogy for Donald Trump's presidency, because it's like and I've said and I know I've said this on previous episodes, which what should terrify you isn't Donald Trump being president. It's all of the checks and balances and watchdogs and um, and inspectors general. And, uh, you know, all of the things that are in place to prevent tyranny in America, all of the institutions that are supposed to prevent one man from being, you know, having dictatorial powers that just stepped aside. That just moved out of the way and just let it let him do run rampant. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect metaphor. Yeah, cause, cause you know, it was very easy for me to watch those videos because I don't really care about anybody that was in the videos. You know, be be honest with you, I, I like the fact that Congress was a little afraid for a change. You know, because the problem with every bureaucracy, um, and 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 you know, my personal definition of of a bureaucracy is when there are people with. When when there when there are people with the power to make decisions, when there are people within an organization with the power to make decisions, that uh, that they will never feel the effects of, and uh, oftentimes never even be aware of of the effects or concerned about them. You know that that is the source of the problem in every bureaucracy. You know. Because you see it in movies and shit. Like people get power and they think that that the way to wield power is to be like, I don't care, just get it done. While you trying to tell them that what they want is impossible, and they're like, just ha- make it happen. That's no, you know. And and, and I, I had people say that kind of shit to me before. Just make it happen. I don't care. It's like that's impossible. Uh, nothing's impossible. We all know there's shit that's impossible. There's shit that defies the laws of physics. Can't happen. You know. But but that's that's how our country's being run. Um, and it's it's a little scary, but it's mostly funny. 
<laughs> you know, it's mostly hilarious. Um, um, but that's that that whole thing is still is still unfolding. And the funniest shit about it is that is that Democrats in Congress are like, we we're gonna impeach this man. Now keep in mind, bro, it's January the eleventh. The inauguration is on the twentieth. Okay, so you know, so they want, so they want to, so after after four years of <laughs> of enabling this man and letting all this other shit slide, and then and then giving everybody six hundred dollars after you know this year long pandemic is now they want us all to be so concerned with them that they want to remove this man eight days before he's supposed to leave. I mean, if you, it, 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 like they want to get back together for that. It's an emergency. You understand what I'm saying? These motherfuckers went on vacation when they couldn't agree on the stimulus check. That would say literally save lives. But then they get attacked and they're like, no, we got, we got, we need everybody to fly back to DC. We got to get this motherfucker up out of here. We were afraid. We were afraid for like an hour. You know, because because let's be honest here, none of the Congress people were in any direct danger. You know, I mean, they're all going to play up their harrowing experience and all of that bullshit because they're politicians and they're fucking scum. But none of them were actually like, you know, no shots were fired in their direction. You know, they didn't they weren't close enough to smell the Molotov cocktails. They were surrounded by a bunch of people that were expected to die before them, you know. You a better man than me. I wouldn't take a bullet for a fucking congressperson, but that's just me. You know what I mean? Um, so stay tuned. I guess we'll talk about it in the next episode. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I, you know, nothing's nothing's gonna happen. Um, uh, what, what, what else was crazy? Oh yeah, the uh, so uh, Wicked Ice Tea was trending recently. Because uh, a man, so a white dude was in a store saying, saying nigga, right? And he, he was saying it in a way where you could tell he grew up in the hood, right? And, and I think this is a little, this is kind of like an unspoken thing. Uh, like, like a sort of addendum to the to the n-word rule but it, it's the way the way you say it does matter right it, 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 and what i mean by that is i'm not talking about whether it's okay or not okay i'm talking about it matters in the sense that because because here here's what it is every black person can say nigga Right, you could, you're allowed to. No one's gonna check you. But sometimes, when certain black people say "nigga," it comes, it, it rolls off their tongue wrong, it, and it gives me pause. I'm like, what, what, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying it's like you you don't have. I could tell that like you, I could tell you grew up around white people. 
You know what I mean? Because you saying it in a way where you sound is a little shaky. It, it, it ain't rolling out smooth. And, 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 and what I'm saying is on the other side of that, there's white people that when they, if they, if you heard them say nigga, it rolls off, it, it comes out smooth. They say it correctly if that makes any sense right and so this guy is he said he's talking like that you could tell like he grew up. and so my point is when when you hear um i think most black people if they heard a white person say nigga they they immediately gonna be like hey no 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 you know what i mean but if you hear a white person, if we hear a white person say nigga smoothly, I feel like there, I feel like we'll give, we give you just a, just a smidge extra warning. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not okay. Cause you said it's smooth. It's like, it, but it's almost like, okay, nigga, you've been saying nigga around them niggas, but not over here. You know what I mean? It's that it's that little extra. Okay, all right, I, yeah, but not here, nigga. Not not to me. It's that right? And whew, this white this white boy was on some. Uh, he was clearly drunk as shit, and he thought shit was sweet. I don't know. I, I don't know who he thought he was talking to. I mean, first of all, he was talking to a dude that was almost twice his size. You know what I mean? In terms of like just the way he was built, he was a stocky, you know. And he and he and he told he gave this nigga plenty of warning, like, hey, bro, <laughs> call me a nigga again. And here's the thing, man. If you hear, listen. If you hear, if you hear, some, if someone says that to you, you know, if 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 somebody says one more time to you, you got to take that. You got to take that seriously. You know, even if they only, even if they just posturing or pump faking or whatever, you you know, you know you understand what I'm saying? It's like if if a motherfucker says if a motherfucker says to you, "Hey, bro, you got one more time," or "Hey, say that again," you know that, that, that's a threat, and you you have to treat it as such. So if if your if your if your response to that is going to be to say it again or do it one more time, you got to be prepared to fight immediately after that. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> that's what they're telling you. It's like, you know, you know how this, you know, you know the saying, some things don't need to be said. They just need to be understood, right? And so if somebody says, yo, say that shit one more time, they don't have to say the rest. We all know what the rest is because th that's why nobody says anything after that. You know, because say that one more time means say that one more time and I'm going I'm to pick up this can of twisted tea and bust you in your motherfucking head with it. <laughs> right? <laughs> So anyway, I, I don't even have to talk. I'm gonna let y'all hear. I'm gonna let y'all hear it. Listen to this. Fuck my mama, nigga. Fuck my mama. Right. Fuck your mama, nigga. Fuck your mama. You're gonna pop up. I live on 400 Oxford two blocks away. I'm a, I, and you know what's That's crazy? That's the white boy you know talking. I'm gonna walk to you. I'm gonna walk right to my house for you, bro. Oh God, I'm not trying to disrespect you, bro. I'm not. I'm the same nigga all day, all every day. Are you kidding me? Where you from, nigga? Where you from? That's the Where one. you Pop from? Him. Where the fuck you from? Yeah, nigga. You from here? Get the fuck out of here. You a clown, nigga. Oh, God, you a clown, nigga. You from here? You a clown. Mm. What you gonna smack oh. with that? Smack. Smack me. Smack me, nigga. Come on, yeah. Drop him. Oh! oh. 
Yeah, you got yours, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you got yours, buddy. You got yours, buddy. You know what? I'm going to. Yeah, you got yours, oh, buddy. Bruh, that's never gonna get old for me. I, I could do that over and over again. Hold up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got yours, yours buddy. buddy. Um, yeah, man, you gotta cut. The, I mean, what more is there to say? Um, y'all heard it. Y'all heard that can't hit that boy's face. You know, and like I said, he was being hella patient with this guy. Because he, you, cause you could tell, because, you know, he didn't want to have to hit this motherfucker. He gave that guy every opportunity to not get hit in the face with that can. You know, so I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what other, uh. I don't know what other um, what there what more there is to say about it. It's like, bro, don't say nigga to people. Period. And here's the other thing: if a motherfucker give you a second chance to not say nigga to them, like you take it, take it. Because what, I mean, what do you what are you hoping to gain by like enticing them, especially when they're bigger than you? And they're holding something they can bust you in your motherfucking head with. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would, I would, uh, I would, uh, I would cut that shit out, bro. <laughs> you know, it's no, because there's no, there's no, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you hope to gain from, from, <laughs> for, I mean, he was drunk though, but still, that doesn't make what he did okay, but, but I also understand how, you can't shut your motherfucking mouth. You know? That's why I don't be all fucked up out in public. That's just, that's for young people, dog. You know what I mean? It, like, if I'm somewhere, the, the only place where I'll get drunk, and even that, even that is rare, the only place that ain't my house or like a family member's house that I'll get, that I'll get fucked up drunk is the comedy store. You know, cause I, cause, cause I feel safe there. You know, or at least I feel like I, I can get drunk there, and it's not gonna be uh, like a problem. You know what I mean? But other than that, I get drunk in my house. I'm getting fucked up at home. But you know what I mean? I, and don't get me wrong. I'll do drugs. I'll do. I'll, I'll have a shot or two. There, I'll get tipsy. You know what I mean? I'll smoke a joint. But I, I I'm not getting like fucked up out of my mind out in public, nigga. You know, and, and and here's another thing I don't I do as a you know as a grown man that I didn't do as a young man, and that is I don't get fucked up spontaneously. I plan getting fucked up. See, I used to be like, yeah, I think I'll drink, and then oh no, I'm fucked up. That don't happen no more. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like it, every now every since I turned thirty, <laughs> every time I get fucked up, I'm like, I'm getting fucked up today. I'm getting super high today. It ain't, it's not an accident. 
you know, because that's how, that's how when shit like that happen. And, and I prepare. I get all my my proper snacks, my hydrating material, all of that shit. You know what I mean? For that very reason. I'm not trying to be down the street in 7-Eleven all fucked up. And you see those motherfuckers down there. You know, and they just waiting for some shit to start some shit. It's like, bro, you gonna get fucked up out here. You know? That's just me. Um, so, the next thing is, uh, you know, I listen, I like to end... You know, a lot of times the podcast either either ends with something about science or something about black history. Um, but rarely, the rarest thing is a thing about revenge. And I found this story because, you know, revenge is also a theme of this podcast. Um, and I and I don't tell enough revenge stories. And uh, and I found this little gem on. Um, uh, um, what the fuck was the name of it? Uh, it was one of the Reddit channels. Oh, <clears throat> um, so Sir Reddit. No, no, no. It wasn't Sir Reddit. It was yeah, it was Sir Reddit, uh, which is like a YouTube channel that like reads Reddit stuff. It's like in that fucking British robotic voice. Um, but it's from. Um, it's from the subreddit uh i think it's r slash revenge yeah r slash pro revenge right and this story is called <laughs> entitled gossipy witch sabotages my totally legal romantic relationship with my former teacher um ruins her career runs us both out of town how about I destroy yours and your entire family's whole life, lady? Ooh, intriguing. So that's the TLDR, right? Now, I, I'm, I'm going, I'm debating whether to just give you the summary or read the whole story to you. Because, oh, that's what, the story's juicy. Because I know, like, some of y'all think when I was thinking, when I first read the title, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be on this person's side. I mean, because that's not enough details for me to be like, it's okay for you for you to be banging your teacher right because that's because you hear that you hear that romantic relationship teacher and you don't hear the rest and you're like i don't know no nigga i'm on his side um you know what i'm gonna read the whole story how about that you know what i mean because uh, um, yeah i'm gonna read the whole story um so it says insert obligatory throwaway account explanation it applies um, yeah, because the, the, this is from a large town pizza lawyer on Reddit. This was posted by him a year ago. So just to give you the context of like the timeline and all that. My fucking water, man. Jeez. Okay, so it says, I come from a really small town. Think of the littlest, most nothing happens here city Extended layover in your flyover state nightmares in my hometown is even more quiet than that. This guy's an excellent writer, by the way. Think half a mile or more between neighbors, a single main street downtown, one McDonald's, one department store, one movie theater with three screens where everyone goes Friday and Saturday night, church every Sunday, everyone knows everyone else, or at least knows their business. 
The whole city is invested in the fortunes of the high school football team. That sort of place. Graduating class of 60. Not because the senior class was dumb, it was just a tiny high school. Okay, we get it. He lives in a small fucking town. I didn't really fit in at school and kind of was a loner by choice. I cringe about it now that I'm almost 26, but I was a wannabe emo goth rocker. Yeah, every emo goth rocker from high school regrets it. I still got invited to party with the other kids, not because they liked me necessarily, but because there just wasn't many people to invite. My mom baked cookies and cakes for church, and when she wasn't doing that, she cut hair in the town's one salon. My dad owned an internet cafe for a while when those were hot. And once, <clears throat> and once everyone, even in our little nowhere town, got Wi-Fi, he turned it into a tax service. Business is always slow because most people did their own taxes, but he didn't really depend so much on his business. He served 20 years as a petty officer in the Navy, and so he and mom got by on his pension. In high school, I worked at the private burger place that competed mostly unsuccessfully against the town's single-chain fast food restaurant. My boss always told me I should ask my mom to cut my hair to stop looking like a dang girl. Quote. No thanks, old man. Okay. So with all this boredom everywhere, you can imagine the sensation Miss Amber Fontaine caused when the high school hired her to be the 11th and 12th grade English teacher. Miss Fontaine was of French extraction and had moved to America in her later teens to go to college in New York. She was only 24 and very beautiful. She spoke perfect English, but did so with a very pleasant accent. Obviously, all the guys loved her and lots of women hated her. She appeared oblivious to all the attention, however, and just stuck to her job. Really, we didn't know too much about her. She mostly kept to herself and nobody ever saw her hanging out with any men in town. And it wasn't for lack of the men's trying. It soon became clear that she wasn't in the dating any of the men our city had to offer. Much later on, I found out that she had just taken the job in our small town to gain experience with the future goal of being a college professor in a big city, a sort of two-year plan. Obviously, I had a crush on her. We all did. It was and still is a small church-going town, so nobody really acted out on his urges or tried to harass her or anything like that. As guys, we talk about uh, how hot she was amongst ourselves, Usual locker room stuff teenage boys do, but that was it. My one real out of high school experience with Miss Fontaine was when she stepped by, stopped by the burger place I worked at and saw me working there. She told me I had a nice smile and that she wished I smiled more because in school I was always frowning because I was in my emo everything sucks phase. When the food preppers came up with her food and handed it to me to give to her, I was impressed and not at all surprised that she ordered a salad. She didn't strike me as someone who ate the greasier slop we sold there. In school, the following Monday, she smiled at me in the hall and I smiled back. Then she said, you're learning. But not in a condescending or patronizing way, just a fun, kidding way. And I exchanged a smile with her every time after that. And that was the extent of my great high school romance with Miss Fontaine. Exchanged a few hellos and smiles during my senior year when I was 17. Things changed the following year, though. I was 18 and still working at the burger joint when Miss Fontaine comes by the restaurant. 
Oh, hey, she says, and asked, the real, asked with real seriousness, are you going to college? I tell her the truth. I'm working with my band, playing guitar, and saving money for community college. Only sort of truth about the last thing. Honestly, most of my money I spent on weed and ecstasy. I was the main vocalist in addition to being guitarist, and our band's only other members were Jerry, the bassist, and Gabe, the drummer. Both of them were just out of high school like me. And like me, they had no plans to go to college. Gabe worked at the same burger joint as me, and Jerry, who had been one of my best friends in high school, ironically, worked at the chain fast food restaurant down the street from my restaurant. Our lives at the time revolved around wasting our youth, skateboarding, getting high, and playing in our punk band. We like to think that we played an emo punk metal fusion, but looking back, our sound hasn't aged well. Miss Fontaine tells me that now that she's in her second year of teaching, she has a better sense of how to do things. She tells me that she wished that her current students were as well behaved and put in as much effort as me. I earned mediocre grades throughout school, but consistently earned an A in English because I like to read. She says she'll see me around. A few days later, she comes into the restaurant again and we get to talking. And she asks me if I'd like to go to a movie. And I can tell she's bored because there's really no one her own age for her to hang out with in town, or if there are, they're all lame. I think we both get the feeling that it's natural we should hang out. And now that I was completely out of high school and she wasn't my teacher, and we were both adults by this time, I was newly 18 and she had just turned 25. Why not? So that's how it started. We'd meet up in the early evenings, totally innocent, and go to the movies or to dinner at one good restaurant in town. Miss Fontaine was cool about letting me slide when it came to paying for our dates because she knew I made minimum wage. It was actually me who started to push our relationship to the next level. After a while, I started to hold her hand when we walked places, and finally we started kissing. Never in front of anyone, she taught me a lot of French words and phrases over the summer and fall while we were going out. My parents knew I was sort of dating my former teacher, but since it was keyword former, they didn't really raise any stink about it. Miss Fontaine would always try to convince me to go to college, but she did our but she did see our band play a few times when we got a rare gig at the roller rink, and she was nice enough to not tell us what she really thought of us. We didn't have sex until we had been dating casually for nearly two months. That was my idea too, but she admitted that she really liked me and she wanted it to happen ever since we reconnected earlier that year uh, after I had graduated. I'm not the kiss and tell type, but my bandmates sort of th- sort of knew that the dynamic in my relationship with Miss Fontaine, um, she had been Amber ever since we first made out, um, so they knew the dynamic had changed. They appeared they appeared cool with it. I stopped doing so much dope and really began putting money away to save for college. The junior college near my house was super cheap. Amber would often tell me she thought about applying there for work but said that she really wanted to move to the West Coast or back to the East Coast to teach at college. Eventually, she told me she'd like me to come with her. After a few months, I was in love with Amber, and she was in love with me, too. We didn't throw our relationship in people's faces or show public affection, but it's not like we pretended not to know each other, either. Amber had come around the house, and my parents really liked her and thought she was a great influence on me. I didn't exactly cut my hair, but I was neater and more presentable, and eventually, I really did begin enrolling in GE classes at the local two-year. Damn, see how a good woman could just make a nigga want to be better? Woo! That, that, that's, 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 that's a good feeling right there. You be, Will you meet somebody that make you want to improve yourself? <laughs> yeah, anyway. But then, 
things went downhill fast. Aw. Out of seemingly nowhere, Amber got called in for a meeting with the local school board. This is my secondary account of the situation as Amber was the one there, not me. There had been reports that she was dating a former student romantically. They were talking about me and that she was having a sexual relationship with said student when he was still a minor and still attending high school. Of course, she denied everything. Of course, they believed nothing. She had sent me a desperate text, and since ours is a small town, I think I mentioned that a couple times already, I was at that meeting in literally 10 minutes. I told them the truth, that I was in Miss Fontaine's class in 12th grade, and that I was her student, and that was all. I told the truth that we reconnected uh, several months after graduation, and only then did we begin dating. And I was over 18. The opinion of the board was essentially, look, son, we appreciate the noble effort you're making to defend your friend's honor, but we're looking for the truth here. <laughs> I insisted that I was telling the truth and not trying to cover anything up. After a lot of tears, Amber was simply warned that it wasn't becoming of a teacher to be seen with students outside campus, even if they're former students. And we assumed that was all. We were really wondering who complained about us or who would make up tales about us having sex while I was still a minor and a student of Amber's. I was staying in Amber's apartment by this time. I was kicking in a portion of the rent, of course. I had even met her parents, albeit only on webcam. They're good people. They don't speak a lot of English, but Amber filled them in on missing pieces. They knew my age and they were cool about it. We assumed it was just small town gossip and that it would blow over. Boy, were we wrong. Man, I didn't realize how fucking long this was when I first read it. Um, stick with me, though. The ending is worth it. Um, where was I? Boy, were we wrong. Okay, over the next several weeks after Amber's meeting with the school board, vicious rumors started to spread about her. I won't insult your imagination. You know what people were saying. One day, my boss at the burger joint just told me he had to let me go. Some flim-flam excuse about the store losing money and my hairstyle was driving away customers. Whatever, dude. Amber told me it wasn't my fault and promised to support me while I look for another job. But then one day, she got fired too. She was working as a probationary teacher. It meant that during her first two years, she could be fired for any reason. And actually, no reason had to be given. Explanations were for those who earned tenure. We both knew why she was getting fired, but the, but the district strongly implied that it was simply because she was an ineffective teacher. In her defense, I looked at the data on the district website and the number of students from our school who did well on standardized tests in her subject area leaped by double digits during the time she was a teacher there. Her numbers were far above the state average and to this day, since her departure, those same scores have nosedived. Amber told me that students tended to respond well to her and she was very popular among the students. It was true that she was immensely popular when I was a student, and I'll assume the same carried true the, the year after I graduated. Aside from the obvious fact that she was eye candy, she was simply a good teacher and a good person, and that's why kids liked her. Lots of students threatened to riot when she, when she was fired, but being the non-dramatic, non-teaching-seeking person she is, Amber asked them to just focus on their studies and doing well and helping the new teacher adjust when he or she arrived to take her place. My dad told her, my dad told her she ought to sue the district, but Amber didn't want the drama. <clears throat> Besides, she said she was allowed to resign. Uh, see there, that shit is again, right? She was allowed to resign so that it wouldn't show up on her record as her having been fired. 
Also, she said that the district promised not to try to revoke her teaching credential. Her own parents suggested maybe she ought to come home to France, but she insisted on sticking it out in America. My parents were cool in that they offered to let her move in with us while she figured her life out. She's lucky that her parents are well off because they gave her some money to relocate to California. She asked me, please, to come with her, that she loved me and we could start new there. I was, I've always wanted to move to California, so I jumped at the chance. My parents were happy that I was in a relationship with a good person who obviously cared about me and gave us some money, too. We got an apartment together in the Los Angeles area. Neither of us drove, so we both got bikes to get around. Our new area uh, was a world apart from my old life, though I know Amber's own teenage years were in Paris, so Los Angeles wouldn't be as much of a culture shock for her. I immediately enrolled in a local community college and got a job as a waiter in a popular French restaurant. Our gimmick was that some of the, some of the servers actually spoke French. Over the last several months, Amber had taught me a lot of French, so I was popular server in that restaurant because I gave it authenticity. Unfortunately for Amber, the school district misled her about her teaching license. When they promised not to have her license revoked, they spoke the truth, but they left out the part where they would attach an official reprimand to it and acu that accused her of inappropriate relations with students under her charge. So whenever Amber applied for teaching jobs, this would immediately come up as a red flag on her application. Another surprise red flag was that schools that she applied to would notice that she was fired from her last job. No, I wasn't, she'd say. I resigned. Yeah, but it says here you were forced to resign to avoid termination. Woo! They, man, they fucked her over in a couple of ways. Amber is seven years older than me, but I think in some ways I know a lot more about how nasty Americans can be than her. Everywhere she went, doors would slam career-wise. She appealed to the state teaching license organization, and they said they'd look into it, but months later, nothing came up. Calls her former school resulted in her getting the runaround. No one knew anything. So for the next several months, I was paying our day-to-day -day bills and helping to support Amber. Though I must acknowledge that the loans both our sets of parents gave us helped tremendously, and we couldn't survive without them. Finally, one day, Amber tells me, you know what? Fuck trying to teach public school. Oh, and I'm pregnant. Damn. Okay, that's another wrench in the, in the works. Okay, so two pieces of good news. <laughs> many, many months later... Amber and I are happily married. Wedding was beautiful. In sunny Los Angeles, Amber's parents and mine and our families all attended. We had a pregnant honeymoon in France. We now have a son, Richelieu. I am closing in on earning my AA in information technology. I've been promoted to Metro D at the restaurant and have health benefits for my wife and son. We live in a studio apartment, but at least it's a huge studio and it's enough for now. Amber stays home with the baby but she also teaches online English and French courses for a private school. So even though she's blacklisted from teaching in the public K-12 district, she can still teach, which is her passion. More months pass. We're getting there, guys. More months pass. I got my first job in IT, troubleshooting computers for a small company downtown. I make double what I was making at the restaurant. And my employer has a program where I can finish my BA while I work, and they will subsidize 50% for free. And the other 50%... They will dock for my pay in small monthly installments. Sounds like an amazing deal, and I take it. We move to a bigger apartment. Amber's making her awesome contribution both as a mother and to our finances with her tutoring. We're planning for her to eventually go back to school for her graduate degree so she can finally fulfill her dream of teaching college. Oh, more good news. She's pregnant again. Life is sweet. So while everything is going awesome, one day I, got a, I get a text from mom. <laughs> 
She was at a local school board meeting with her neighbors regarding a bill proposal to hire more teachers. Apparently over the past few years, the population has grown and the high school needed to expand. So now it's a two horse town, mom says. While she was at the meeting, my mom ran into Jerry's mom. Jerry, the bassist for my old band that I quit once I got into a serious relationship with Amber. My mom never met Jerry or his mom, or at least in a way that connected them to me. The reason was because I never brought Jerry around our house. Because for a couple of years, Jerry was my drug supplier. He had to hook up for anything you wanted. Well, what does all this have to do with anything? My mom doesn't know Jerry's mom, but she hears her and some other lady talking about me and Amber. My mom heard them saying that Jerry had been the one to tell everyone about Amber and me, supposedly having sex before I graduated, and his mom went straight to the school board. Their names as informers were protected under confidentiality. I had lost touch with Jerry over the years and had stopped playing music with him long ago. I knew he resented all the time I was spending with my chick. Um, it's a shame because he used to be such a good friend of mine. It sucked that he was behind getting my now wife and mother of my child and soon to be children fired from her career. Jerry's mom was a teacher at Amber's former school of employment. It became a joke of ours that his mom had such a huge stick up her ass regarding prim and proper behavior and was a goody two shoes teacher whose shit didn't stink. Yet her kid, Jerry, a student at her school is basically the biggest drug dealer in town. Also looking back, I know he had a crush on Amber too and probably always resented that I got to be in a relationship shit with her while he didn't <clears throat> man it's always the homies right that get you maybe it's because she knows quality i was interested to learn that jerry's mom was now on the school board i didn't tell amber about all this right away i just asked her to tell me what she remembered about jerry's mom she told me that jerry's mom was always really mean to her and often one of the main instigators in getting everyone on campus to exclude her from teachers social activities it's one of the main reasons why Amber didn't make friends with the other teachers. Amber tells me that the male teachers tended to be nice to her at first, but female teachers overwhelmingly despised her before they even knew her. Jerry's mom, Amber told me, was also the teacher she knows who started a petition not to renew her contract for even a second year at the school. This was the first I'd heard about this. Evidently, only a few female teachers signed a petition, but the petition was placed in Amber's permanent file as evidence that she lacked confidence in her or that the staff lacked confidence in her. They were basically setting her up to be fired even though she was doing a good job teaching and the students liked her. Yeah, because she was the baddest bitch that town had ever seen. Uh, you know, anyway. <clears throat> well, I'm more Cali than Iowa these days, but I still keep in touch with a few kids uh, I knew in school, including Gabe, the drummer from our old band. From what I hear, Jerry manages the burger joint I used to work at because the old guy who owns it retired. I have a social media account, but only use it to contact people in emergencies. I never update anything. My profile is practically blank. I'm, I'm not one of those people who checks it daily or uploads pics of my lunch. Um, I didn't post about marrying or having kids or moving to L.A. I told the people that mattered directly. Jerry was still my friend on social media, even though we stopped talking ages ago. So I clicked on his profile. Yep. He definitely managed my old place of employment. I clicked on his friends and family's profiles and recognized his mom, my old history teacher. She was on the school board now, sanctimonious as ever. Uh, 
I think I mentioned before that I come from a small town and in the small town, there often isn't anything for bored kids to do other than do dumb stunts and do drugs. And for the biggest loser kids of all, a group that included me, we were dumb enough to record ourselves partying and talking shit and doing the aforementioned drugs. That's exactly what my band used to do all the time. Whenever we had a show, we'd go around taping ourselves using our cell phones. We'd take video of us rocking out, skating, drinking beer in a vacant lot, and take a video of us getting high. We'd talk to the camera. I haven't thought about the old recordings in years, but I never erased them from my old phones. I'm the kind of guy who hoards his old cell phones. Not because I think they increase in value or that I find them especially interesting, but I kind of think of them like file cabinets of my past because I don't erase anything. Aside from phone numbers, I don't really transfer data from one phone to its successor, easy as it would be. My current boss knows I used to do drugs, and they don't care. In IT, I'm told everyone used to get lit, and many still do. I asked my wife offhand if her new job knows about what happened in our old town. She says yes, but they don't care about any of that. They only care that she teaches expert-level conversational French. That's what their clients, many of them traveling professionals, demand. Many of her co-workers, she tells me, had real felonies on their records, <laughs> but her employers was a firm believer in rehabilitation. So I check some of my old videos and find what I need. I have no trouble finding videos of Jerry getting high as a motherfucker. That's like practically every video. And in practically every video, he brags about how his parents know he's a druggie and a dealer and want to ship him off to the army and make a man out of him. The video I really want is... Nope, it's not on this phone. Maybe the LG, nope. Just more of Jerry rolling on ecstasy at a rave, blah, blah, blah. Maybe my old galaxy. Bingo. Jerry talks about how his mom knows all about his drug use and sometimes even smokes weed herself with his dad and how they caught him with cocaine once and yelled at him and his dad kicked his ass, but then Jerry came home the next day from school to find that his mom was coked out on the kitchen table <laughs> and she had called in sick that day. The video was timestamped. I think that'll do. I still don't tell Amber. It would only upset her in her condition. But I asked my mom for the contact info of all the people who are on the little town school board. I already know the school's basic email address. I graduated not that long ago and most of the administrators are still mid-career um, and I have their emails. I make a throwaway email account and attach all the relevant videos to it and send it to everyone that matters in the town. All the teachers, the administrators, even from elementary and middle schools, the church, the pizza place, the burger joint, the roller rink, all that. The files where Jerry exposes himself as a coked out drug dealer with his mom having full knowledge of the fact and her and her husband even indulging in the drugs themselves. The next day, Amber asks me while, while she's feeding our son, honey, why are you so happy? I tell her and she starts crying. Um, not because she's sad, she assures me. She, I'm just so happy you did this for me, is what she says. Uh, then me, Amber, Richelieu, and our bun in the oven go for a walk because it's such a nice day. Still need a haircut, not getting one. Do I even need to say what happened afterward? Not really, but let's do it anyway. All this ancient history shouldn't matter, but in a small town, it's devastating. The videos are just of Jerry talking trash. Who knows if he's even telling the truth? Doesn't matter. In a small town, gossip is gospel. Kind of like how everyone believed Amber and I were fucking before I turned 18, even though that was 0% true, and they ran us out of town on a, raw, on a rail. Uh, my parents had to endure the fallout of my disgrace when I left town years ago with that French tramp 
as the all the idle, idle busybodies have uh, dubbed my wife. Mom and dad made their peace with it and have numbed themselves to the slurs and always stood up for us. They are what's good about small town America. Jerry got fired from his job. Police searched his house, this is to say his mom's house, and found a lot of drugs. Evidently, when the rumors went flying that Miss Jerry's mom had a drug-dealing son, uh, kids busted for drugs at the high school caved under pressure to admit who hooked them up. Oopsie. So he was telling the truth. Uh, Jail for you, you cock-blocking douchebag. (laughs) His mom was summarily dismissed from her job, along with all the appropriate blacklisting that being a drug-abusing, child-endangering, fraud-committing public official entails. My mom wasn't clear on the details, but there's a possibility she she had her husband, uh, she and her husband might face jail time too. It came out that Jerry's dad had been cheating on his wife for years with a woman from the church. Damn, he ain't even trouble. Jerry's whole family are persona non grata. They want to leave town, but can't pending court cases. Until then, they'll just be hated to their face. I'll hate them from across the country. Small town. Everyone knows everyone, or at least their business, which means sooner or later, word will slip, people will drop the it's confidential charade and figure out that I was responsible for his family's downfall, and I don't give a fuck. Jerry, you listening? Good. Come at me, bro. Ah, I love a good revenge story. You know what I mean? It's like uh, Jerry... Jerry was so jealous of his homie that he fucking tried to, you know, and you got exactly what you, you got exactly what was coming for you. You got exactly what was coming for you. You know, it's like, mind your motherfucking business. Who, why you care? Why you care? What's the problem? Yeah, you got yours, buddy. You got yours, buddy. 